Welcome to the podcast of Sozo Church. For more information about Sozo, please visit sozosmtx.com. I got a question for you this morning. How is the soil of your life? How is the soil of your life? Go with me to Luke chapter 8. We're going to be in the parable of the sower or the parable of the four soils. We're going to take a look at that this morning. You know, I've been uh, thinking about what we have all processed. I shared a little bit last week, but in the last uh, two, two and a half years, all that we've been through has been quite a doozy, right? Like we started off with, hey, let's have two weeks to lock down to slow the spread, and then felt like that turned into about two years. And, uh, and all sorts of messages coming our way, right? Like we then hit George Floyd, and that unraveled a whole bunch of things uh, some of them that we needed to be addressed, and some of those things got pulled to an extreme that were probably fairly dangerous. And then uh, we uh, entered into uh, another season of crazy political instability, and it seemed like everything was like moving to extremes. And it began to be really hard to discern what the truth is. Anybody? And it was like, okay, what should we do? And then the vaccine rolls out and we're like, okay, what do I do with the vaccine? Not to mention the masks and all of those things that we've been processing and trying to figure out who do I believe and what do I do? Anybody? And I, I felt that quite honestly, I feel like I am a very stable and consistent person. Is that right, Lauren? Yes. <laughs> and I felt the tearing in my heart as issues begin to come up. And what I realized in many ways is that the issue of our day is like none other in any point in history. In the information age, it's not that we lack information. It's actually that we have too much information. And so it begins difficult to figure out what is right and what is true and what direction I should go. And the messages are really powerful, right? Like they know how to pull at your heart if you're a feeler, a person that is geared and wired towards compassion. Anybody? And they know how to pull at your head if you're somebody that's wired towards knowing and understanding and intellectualism and maybe conspiracy theories and... And, and there's all of this pooling that's going on. And for most of us, what I realize in the middle of all of that confusion is that we find ourselves kind of in a similar place to Pilate leading up to Jesus's crucifixion. And he asks this question, qui es veritas? What is true? You see, in many ways, from Pilate's perspective, he had the life of Jesus in his hands. The great revelation 
of God. Now, interesting, Jesus says, hey, it's actually not you that take my life. I actually lay it down freely. But Pilate was spun because he had all of these different forces pulling at his head and his heart. And I I think for you and I, we can feel that or know that depending on how we're wired. And it's like, I don't know what to do. And quite honestly, I don't know what to believe. And the, the challenge that we have, I think, that we begin to face spiritually is that instead of believing everything, we don't believe anything. Right? It's like our, our trust is at an all-time low. It's like, I, I'm not going to believe. And here, here's the, the problem with that, is that when we struggle to believe, we're always going to struggle to receive. And I, I would say this, uh, for us as a church family, the last couple of weeks, I've been teaching on a series called Flow State. And the idea is this that there is grace that flows from heaven that provides everything that we need in life. That grace is often said from maybe a classical understanding that grace is a free gift from the undeserving, but it's actually greater than that. It's a bigger deal than that. Grace is the empowering presence of God that enables me to be who he created me to be and to do all that he created me to do. It's the very life source and energy from heaven. And so as we're in a a year that we're really focusing on what does it look like for us to grow, that our roots would sink deep into Jesus, it's crucial that we know how to receive grace because that is the very life of heaven that is strengthening us and sustaining us and giving us everything that we need. It's what we talked about last week that allows you to live out your kingdom calling, your superpower, your je ne sais quoi. It allows you to be the you that the world needs. But the challenge in our day, when I believe that there is supernatural grace for us as a church family to grow in our maturity and in our fruitfulness. The challenge for us is that in a world where truth seems relative and everything is pulling at our hearts, the temptation is for us to harden our hearts and our minds, to keep to ourselves and to try to survive. Do you feel that pressure? It's like, I'm not really going to believe and I'm not really going to receive. But your ability to grow, to walk in the grace of God on your life is fully contingent on your ability to receive from him. Like you're not gonna get there on your own. Mentor of mine said, Regularly, you cannot grow yourself by yourself. And so we're going to have to relearn what it looks like to receive, to trust. Now, let me say this. In the, 
information age where our problem is not not having enough information, but it's too much information and learning to sort. We're going to have to have some safeguards in our lives that lead us into truth. I love last week, I was preaching out of Ephesians 4 and around verse 16, it it says, what counts is speaking the truth in love so that we may grow up in all respects to be like him, Jesus. So we need that combination of truth and love in our lives so that truth and love, head and heart, truth and love, so that we can be like Jesus. And so I believe that God wants us to tend to the soil of our lives so that we can mature and step into all that he has for us. And when I say all that he has for us, I don't say that in a self-centered, you-centered, consumeristic way, but I mean all that God has for you and I so that we could be a blessing to him, to our neighbors, to nations, and to generations. I believe that's God's call on our lives. What we talked about last week is what happens when fear and confusion hit is that it makes us self-centered. And I believe that God wants us to tend to the soil of our lives so that we won't live self-centered lives. But to not live a self-centered life, it does not mean that you don't pay attention to your life. Does that make sense? It's not just all give, 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 go, 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 but it's actually, I would tend to the soil of my life so that I can bear fruit that multiplies and fruit that lasts. All right. Luke chapter eight, starting verse four, large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town. He told this parable, a farmer went out to sow his seed as he was scattering the seed. Some fell along the path, say path. It was trampled on and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, say rocky ground. And when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, say thorns, Thorns. which grew up with it and choked out the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. Say good soil. soil. Say that's me. me. Come on, prophesy. (laughs) It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than what was sown. Here's what that means. The goal of life is not to survive, but it's actually to multiply. Whatever seed that is sown into you, we'll take a look at seed in a minute, is meant to multiply through you. God's looking for an extravagant return on his investment, his deposit into you. When he said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. He knew that what he was saying was confusing. His disciples asked him what the parable meant. He said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but often I speak in parables so that those seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Say word of God. The word for word is the Greek word. That's a lot of words. 
Logos. Say Logos. Logos. And, and here's what that means. It was actually a, a term coined, I think, four, maybe 600 years before Jesus uh, by the Greek philosopher Heracles. You didn't know you were in for a philosophy lesson? That's about all I know. But the, the word, word meant divine purpose, divine reasoning. Let me say this to you. The seed that God is depositing in you, the word that he's putting in your life is for purpose. It's not simply the good news that Jesus died on the cross for your sin and now you get to go to heaven. Though that's good news and that is part of your purpose, the word logos there means that God is in fact depositing seeds of purpose, very grace from God in your life that is intended to be tended to so that you can be fruitful. And so the seed that he's depositing in your life is not a one-time seed. In fact, I'd like to suggest to you that there is fresh grace for you every day. That the very energy of heaven, that divine power that you need to live what God has called you to live, you're going to need to receive the seed every day that fuels your life. You see, often we think in religious terms of in and out. I received the seed of the gospel, the logos from heaven when I was six years old. And so now I'm fine. I'd like to suggest to you that you need grace like you need your daily bread. You need the very life of heaven poured into you regularly. And what that means is that we've got to be really good soil. We've got to be good receivers. And my concern for us, quite honestly, is that over the last two, two and a half years, not to mention normal life events and normal disappointments and normal devastation and normal hardship, and normal confusion, I'd like to suggest that it's possible that at least to some degree for many of us, our receiver has been broken. Do you feel that? Where it's like, man, I feel stuck and I don't know if I can receive. I'd like to suggest to you that part of receiving, like there, there's probably an infinite number of ways that we can receive. Like we receive directly from God and that's by the spirit, right? Like he, he actually pours into us as we put time aside to be with him. He loves to pour into us and to direct us. Let me throw a caution at you with that. I have a high value for the voice of God in my life. I have a high value for the voice of God prophetically through other people to me. It has in many ways determined the steps of my life. But the temptation is 
to say, God told me, so I'm not going to listen to anybody else and I'm just gonna run off in this crazy direction because I think I have revelation from God and therefore I'm going to go in this direction regardless of what anybody says. And I've seen too many lives shipwrecked by that kind of recklessness. And what you need in your life are what I would call two safeguards. Probably need a better word than safeguard because it's way more important than safeguard sounds because that word sounds boring to me. But you need scripture in your life. Like you need to sink deeply into this because this written word of God reveals the very logos of God and will reveal his truth and direction for your life. Now, here's the interesting thing about when God speaks to us or when God speaks to somebody else for us, we obviously have to make sure that it does not contradict Scripture. However, most of the things that God speaks to us, like if he were to tell you, husband, that you're not married to the right woman and you need to go find a different one, that's ridiculous, foolish, and demonic. Yes. Amen. Like he's not going to say that because that contradicts scripture, okay? But if he were to tell you that you need to move from here and move to Africa, that could be God, but it may not be, right? And if I can have the humility, whether it's from a word from somebody else or something that God has spoken directly to me, if I can have the humility to say, I think that might be God, but I'm not sure, so I'm going to pray on it, and I'm going to seek wise counsel in my life to determine, is this really what God is calling me to? And some of us think, oh, I got a word from God. I have to abandon everything right away. And your life often ends up shipwrecked. Now, you need to have people in your life that don't want to control you, but want the best for you. That would, would rather you succeed in obeying God than maybe have you near them. You need those things in your life. And so that means this that you don't try to go get those things in your life after God has spoken to you. Because that's too late. You need those people running with you that you're actually in mutual submission to way before you ever get the God told me to thing. Because they would know you, they'll help sort things out. Here's what I've found is that Often, we get the right word, but we miss the timing. And sometimes God, who exists outside of time, I had a guy tell me a couple weeks ago that God's watch is broken. <laughs> that was not a theological statement, so you can just lighten up, all right? But sometimes God speaks to me today for 10 years from now, for 20 years from now. I am living today words that I got 15 or 20 years ago. And so I need people in my life to help me determine timing. So you use scripture, you use wise counsel, 
But God will speak to you prophetically. He'll speak to you through scripture. He'll speak to you through other people. He'll speak uh, to you in all sorts of ways. He'll deposit grace on your life in incredible ways. And the question is, are you open to receiving it? Like somebody may just pray a, pr a prayer or just give you a blessing. Will you let that sink in or will you run around looking for the next one? Let's keep going. The meaning of the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. So we understand that not simply as the written word, though that's part of it, but it's actually the divine purpose of God. It's interesting that John uses that word to describe the very person of Jesus. Those along the path are the ones that, the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. So it's like you, you've got the truth in you, but essentially on the path, the hardness of your heart prevents the seed from sinking in. And so when your heart is hard towards the things of God, what happens is that you're unable to receive what God is trying to deposit in your life. That means that I have to keep my heart tender towards God. I do that in a few ways. I do that by keeping my affection focused on him, but I also have to deal with past disappointments, with present judgment, with relational issues that will harden my heart towards God and towards other people and would prevent me from dealing or from receiving the grace that he wants to put in. It's crucial that I keep my heart tender so that the seed can sink in. So, so that they may not believe. So believing is key. Let me say this. A lot of times we get God's grace, that logos into our life, that word. And it comes through one of two ways, often depending how you're wired, but not totally dependent. Sometimes it comes into our head. It's a new thought. It's revelation from God. It may be personal. It may be way bigger than that, but, but it comes into us through our head. For others of us, it comes into us through our heart. It's like my heart is moved. I don't understand it, but it's moved. And I know that I need to respond. And the key is this, that we press into God, that we steward what he's doing and speaking to us so that either our head catches up with our heart or our heart catches up with our head. But our ability to receive depends on those two things syncing up and being linked together. It says, so that I may not believe and be saved. That word saved is the word sozo. And it means to be saved, but not simply that I go to heaven when I die, but actually that I'm restored, that I'm made whole, that I'm living out all that God created me to live out. That's a really good word. You see, you'll, it's impossible for you to step into the grace of God on your life, that very flow state that he intended you to live in. It's impossible for you to do that without your without receiving the grace that he is putting into your life. 
says those, verse 13, those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. That's a problem. They have no root. And here's what I've seen is that in more spirit-filled, charismatic type circles, which I would say to some extent we would fit into that kind of flavor, I guess. Um, it's easy to run around trying to go from experience and encounter to experience and encounter to experience and encounter. Now, I actually love the experience and the encounter. I'm kind of a junkie for that, okay? So I'm not downplaying that, but here's the danger that happens is that we begin to move away from receiving the seed of God for life transformation and now I'm just trying to get my Holy Ghost feels on. And when that happens, I'm actually dishonoring the very purposes of God in my life. And so the key is this, is that every opportunity for us to receive that we, that we take it in, that we begin to weigh it to make sure, hey, is this, is this God, right? Does it line up with scripture? Bring it possibly to community, to spiritual counsel. Does it resonate with your heart, with your spirit? And then uh, I begin to cherish it and take it in. I actually don't just put it on the shelf to never look at it again. One of the worst ways to treat a prophetic word is to say, well, if that's from God, then it will just happen. Most prophetic words are not about telling the future. They're actually about speaking life and direction for you. They require your partnership. And so when we don't let our roots grow deep, we don't know how to steward what God's speaking. Uh, I love this in Colossians chapter two, verses uh, six and seven. I'm gonna read from the Passion Translation. It says, in the same way you receive Jesus, our Lord and Messiah by faith. So it's faith, it's belief, that is the key to us being good receivers. Progressing uh, by faith, continue in your journey of faith, progressing further into your union with him. So in the way that you started by being good soil and receiving, that's how you continue. You've got to stay good soil, able to receive. Your spiritual roots go deeply into his life as you are continually infused with strength, encouraged in every way. That's how you grow, is that you let your roots grow deep. It says, then for you are established in the faith you have absorbed and enriched by your devotion to him. I love that phrase, progressing further into your union with him. That's what it looks like. To mature. You see, you're united with Christ. There's not distance. There's not separation. He's not far off. There's a union that was initiated on your spiritual wedding day, the day that you said yes to Jesus. And just like when you said yes, married folks, when you said yes to your spouse, you were united and made one, and yet somehow you're still being made one. Right? Like, Wives, you would probably agree with me that your, your husband doesn't have you fully figured out. There's just more 
to discover. And the truth is we're changing all the time. And so the best thing that I can do is stay curious, which is a part of receiving. If you want to stay in love with your spouse, which I would highly recommend, you do that by staying curious because you recognize that she or he, that they're changing. Like every day they're having new experiences, ideally based on what I'm preaching. There's more grace being poured on their, on their lives. There's more purpose being unveiled. They're having hardship and difficulty. And it's key that we stay curious if we want to stay connected. The same is true for you in your relationship with Jesus. He's way more than you'll ever wrap your mind around. So as you stay curious, what you'll do is you'll sink deeper into your union with him. The name of this game evangelicalism has reduced it to say yes to Jesus and you go to heaven when you die. But it's, there's so much more life than that. There's so much more joy in him than that. So you're established by the faith you have absorbed. It's his faith, by the way. That's cool. You're actually saved not by your own faith, but by the faith of Jesus. That's good. All right, let's go back to the soil. It says, so they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. Some of you have been in a brutal time of testing. Like maybe it hasn't been that, that you're testing your salvation and your faith in Jesus, but, but you're, you're testing what you believe. Right? Like, do you feel that? It's like, man, this has been difficult. So what's happening is, is that I've been tested. But let me say this to you, that the testing, if you stay rooted in him, the testing will only make your roots go deeper and your life stronger. That's good news to me. I'm like, man, it's, it's been a little rough. There's something coming out of that. There's fruit in this. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, it's choked out. Catch these three. Choked out by life's worries, by riches, and by pleasures. Life's worries, on one hand, tends to be connected to lack, right? Riches, on the other hand, maybe life's worries, the, the antidote was not riches. Right? Like some of us have thought, well, I don't have enough and I don't like that. So the answer is to be rich. And so now I had the life worries thing that was throwing me off. So now I'm going to pursue wealth. But that'll actually throw you off. In the middle is pleasure. That's, that's like not the pursuit. That's what I'm experiencing today. And so what happens is when we live out of those three, life's worries, riches, and pleasure, when that's our pursuit, then what happens is, is that we stay immature because our roots cannot go in. So they do not mature. But the seed on good soil Say, that's me. that's me. 
Say it like you mean it. There you go. Come on, church. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word of God, who retain it. This is the part we don't like. And by persevering, produce a crop. Somehow in our fast food consumer driven day, we've lost a value for persevering. But when that seed goes in deep, if it's going to be healthy, then there's going to be a lot more work that happens subsurface before you ever see a shoot. And the shoot always well precedes the fruit. And so often we want it now. God's really doing that in my life. If he's really called me to that, if he's really spoken that, if he's, then I, I need to see it now. And when we live that way, we will live in immaturity and we will be tossed around. So let me ask you again, how is the soil of your life? Like if you're going to be really honest, what is it that you're wrestling with? And a lot of times we, we hear messages like this, ideas like this. We're like, oh yeah, that's, that's probably me. But I really don't want to take the time to look in. But I, I'd like to suggest to you that maybe right now is the time to actually say, you know what, this is how the soil of my life really is. Like, I'm, I'm hurting. I'm disappointed. I'm angry. I'm alone. I'm confused. I found myself caught in the chaos of our culture. I don't know which way to go and what to do. And what I would like to suggest to you if that's where you are, the answer is to, to bring it to God, to lay it at his feet. But that may actually sound too religious for you. And we can make that into some sort of spiritual transaction that we don't do anything with. And what I mean by lay it at his feet is, is actually submit it to him and walk with him in it. Like say, okay, this is where I've been wrestling. This is what I've been thinking. Can I, can I be really honest just as I talk through the, where we are in our culture? Some of you, I think, have been like captivated by the spirit of the day. And, and, and I think in a large way that looks like one of two potentials that we've, we've given into some sort of like almost conspiracy-driven narrative. And I'm not saying that everything in the world is okay or that there's not bad actors and that there's not stuff going on that we don't know about. But there is a fear-based agenda that is wanting to shipwreck your faith. And for others of us, there is like a, a social justice thing that is causing us to struggle with and quite possibly reject the church. 
And the kingdom has a high value for social, for people, and for justice. Those are huge. But what will happen in our lives if we give ourselves to either one of those, and I would say much of that social justice thing is rooted in compassion and it's being dragged into areas that it has no business operating. And much of the other side of it is a high value for truth, but that's pulled to extremes that keeps us from trusting anybody. And I believe that God wants us to live in love and in truth. And he wants to tenderize, us, tenderize our hearts so that we can stay rooted in that place so that our spiritual roots can go deep and so that we can have life. Amen? So I want to give you an opportunity to respond, and that may look like for you, just sitting in your seat as I play this last song. It's one of my favorite songs. Or it may look like coming and you just like need to respond with your body. And so you need to just come down to the altar and you just need, you don't need somebody to pray for you. You just need to pray and do business with God in that way. And it may mean this, that you need somebody to pray with you or even to lay hands on you, to bless you. Maybe you're just like, hey, I, I just, I'm tenderizing my heart and I just need some seed. Like, would you just bless me? Maybe you're in a place this morning where you are realizing you need to trust your life to Jesus. Like you need to give it to him and, and trust him as your Lord and Savior, that you would walk with him, that he would become your friend, your mentor, your big brother. And so what I want us to do, we can all stand. I want to pray for us. Ministry team, you guys can come forward. We're going to have uh, some folks at the back here ministering too. Sometimes it gets a little loud up here and so it's easier to go back there and so they should have like a name badge on I think um, in the back and uh, they'd love to pray with you but here's the truth Sozo Church you were created to be good soil it's possible that you would live as good soil it's God's design for you and he's got good seed that he's putting into you and he wants you to bear a hundredfold fruit that will last for generations and so Lord I just thank you I bless my church family, Lord, I thank you that we're good soil. Lord, I thank you that you're, you're softening those places. You're pulling up thorns. You're allowing seed to, de to sink deep. Thank you for fresh grace for today. Hey, there's somebody here that has uh, some significant back pain. And God wants to heal that this morning. Just come forward as people do. And our prayer team would love to pray with you.